Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Business of Design, episode 160, Business of Design Business Alert. I'm Kimberly Selden. Anyone who's ever heard me speak knows all about my history of getting Canadian fired. That is, that moment in a project where you're about 60 or 70% done, and the client says something like, Kimberly, we just love everything you've done for us, and our home looks so beautiful, and we've decided we're just going to finish it ourselves. It took me years to figure out that that was a really nice way to fire someone. And it happened to me all the time. I'm not proud about that record. In fact, I found it excruciatingly painful and shameful, but it prompted me to take action, to really look hard at my business and acknowledge it had to be me. I was the common denominator. It couldn't be that all my clients were wrong, that All my clients wanted to finish the projects themselves. It had to be something I was doing. Turns out, it was everything I was doing. The worst part of getting Canadian fired or any kind of fired is that you never do get to the point where you can take beautiful images of your work, which then becomes your number one marketing tool. The second worst part, maybe it's the first worst part, I'm not sure. Does it matter? Also terrible. No repeat customers and no referral customers. In 2008, 2009, perhaps even 2010, it was repeat and referral customers who got me through that recession. And those are going to be your best resource for getting through this one. Now, normally... You and I are having these conversations, it's just us. But this time, it's possible one of my favorite clients may hear all of this. That's cool. She's an amazing woman. She is emotionally intelligent and she has impeccable integrity. I'm confident she can hear this, process it, and realize how hard I worked to turn my business around. And she probably can attest to what my business is like now. And certainly that is not what it was like before. This wonderful human being, did I say she was one of my all-time fave clients? I mean, you know who your all-time fave clients are, right? Those customers that you will work for for the rest of your life if you're so lucky. She has four young children who are now at home taking online classes And that new schedule will probably continue through the rest of the school year. Yep, that's a thing that's happening in lots of places. I asked Marie if she would be willing to give us some insight from the client's perspective on how we can navigate some of the trickiness that lies ahead. For example, what do you say to those clients who are just about ready to move forward with a project? Is it really a good time to do that? For one of my clients, we recently did a huge presentation and collected all the deposits. And now I have to talk to her about a whole bunch of things that concern me, that didn't concern me a month ago. 
Should I be advising my clients to move forward as if everything is fine? Nothing could go wrong. That doesn't seem very wise. What exactly is in the client's best interest? And what about this scenario? What if I have a small firm? I don't have my systems and procedures buttoned down, and I desperately need money that's owed to me. How can I ask for it? How can I be sensitive to what clients are going through right now and still find out if they're going to pay me for past work? What about future work? Can I ask for it right now? Is it too early? So many questions, and Marie was so generous in this episode. I know lots of you are dealing with young children at home like Marika is. My son is in Toronto and he's safe and healthy, thank goodness, but I wish he were staying here with me so I could smother him with love. He's not having any of it right now. My daughter moved out of her Hollywood apartment and into my more spacious home in Santa Monica. I'm hoping she doesn't get used to it. Those of you who attended Business of Design's elite retreat in Santa Monica will remember my place, but now those ceilings that were kind of low are gone. We got ourselves an extra foot and a half, so I have nine and a half foot ceilings now. We were in the midst of a reno, which is now stalled. So I understand all too well the dilemma of the homeowner in the middle of a project right now and the designer in the middle of a project right now. There is plenty to talk about. And guess who's back for announcements? Cheryl Horn. It's so good to have you back doing announcements. It makes me feel like maybe we're going to come out of this okay after all. Well, I think the first few uh, podcasts, we've been rolling them out so quickly that we just haven't had a chance and so many other staff meetings in between just to gear up for everything we have on the go right now. Well, anyway, it's really nice to see your face and um, let's jump right in. What's going on besides so much? So much. So before I get into a couple of things, I just wanted to share with you because I got an email from Alexa who was just on the last episode. So she sort of sent a follow-up. I guess it was sort of an afterthought to your conversation after you interviewed her last week. You had asked her about what she would say to members who are having problems on projects clearly because they took their own little detour away from following the exact business of designs, 15 step project management strategy, exactly as they are written right? Um, or exactly as they're intended rather. So she just thought of a good analogy and uh, clearly you can see where everybody's mindset is right now. When she shares this, she says, you can offer them ER care, stop the bleeding, sew them up, give them a quick care and keep them alive. But unless they decide to make a fundamental change to the way they do business, you'll only be a band-aid. Business of design is a stay well plan. As long as you follow it, your business is going to stay healthy. If you just pick and choose little bits here and there. Yes. Then a situation like this occurs and you're going to figure out where the hole is, but then it's too late. Yes. Totally, totally agree. Great analogy. But this also holds true for those people who are not yet members, those people that we have known for years, Cheryl, you know some of them by name as I do. They frequently attend business of design events at High Point or Las Vegas Market or wherever we are. They are podcast listeners, they're big fans and so supportive, but they just haven't committed yet. It's heartbreaking. But this is the only wake-up call you need 
take advantage of the huge opening in the world right now. Your schedule just got cleared. Even if you have children at home, you are not making a commute. You're not driving around town to soccer games. No matter how you slice it, you have more time now than you ever would have had under any other circumstances. Don't squander this opportunity. It's time to try something that's already been field tested, that already works. No time for theory. No more. Great analogy. Thank you so much, Alexa. It is. And I think that addresses so many of the questions we're getting right now. A a lot of people, their biggest issue or a lot of the questions we're getting is all around cash flow. And the fact of the matter is if you are a Business of Design member and you are following Business of Design's invoicing collecting policy... You shouldn't have cash flow issues right now. None. If you're not following exactly, and obviously saying that after the fact doesn't help those who are struggling right now, and that's the information that we're putting out there now to everyone. But you know, you can sort of apply that in, in so many ways with so many of the topics that we're talking about right now. Yeah, it's very, very true. And it is a bit like closing the barn after the horses have left the stable. I'm not sure if I'm mixing a metaphor there. Is it cows <laughs> that you close the barn door for? Or is it horses? I don't know. Horses, maybe? I don't horses, know. Horses, yeah. Thank you. That was That was wonderful. And I do actually have one more sort of small housekeeping before I talk about what's coming up. On last week's coaching call with members on Wednesday, you had read through a letter that you sent out to clients. And as promised, that letter is available. It's a, it's a download along with the recordings. So when you go into for our members, when you go into courses and click on group coaching sessions, all of our past recordings are there, including the one from last Wednesday and the email that Kimberly read is there. If you missed it and you want to go back and watch it, um, don't just uh, use the letter. Watch the, the video as well because Kimberly talks about how she actually customized that for each client, whether it was a current client or a past client. So there's more information that goes along with just the letter that is there. And as promised, along with future coaching calls, as Kimberly sends out more touch points to her clients, we will continue to provide you with those templates. Um, So that's all for housekeeping. So we've got a lot coming up this week, though. Oh, good. I do want to say that I have had extremely positive happy interactions with clients past and present over the last two weeks as a result of sending that letter. And not a single one of them thought I was hedging and looking for work. They all understood that I really care about them, and I do. And the feeling is mutual, and uh, I think a lot of good things are going to come out of this terrible situation, you guys. You can think of these goodwill gestures as future guarantee you will work again. Yes. Um, So we do have a couple of things coming up this week. On Thursday, we are kicking off Business of Design Boot Camp. The first coaching call will be this Thursday, April 2nd at 1 p.m. EST. The first email does go out today, but we'll leave registration open for the week. Um, I've had questions from people who are unable to join us live, whether it's a matter of them having kids at home with them or just 
time zones. The recordings will be available to everyone, but by registering, that gives you access to attending live. And because we are sending out a few more newsletters than usual, we don't want to overwhelm everyone. So only those who are registered will get our weekly emails, but the calendar of courses that we'll be doing each week and the topics we'll be covering are available online as well. So if you don't register, you still have access to our timeline, our schedule on the website, and you will still have access to the recordings. So that starts this Thursday and we'll be running those every Thursday for the next five weeks. I'm actually really looking forward to this because it's also an opportunity for me to button down my own systems and prepare myself for what I think is going to be the very best decade that my interior design firm has ever had. So for those of you who are of that mindset and you want to use this time, which I don't know that we'll ever have this time again in our lifetime. If you want to use this time constructively, if you don't want to look back and go, why, oh, why didn't I take the time to implement these strategies that will keep me healthy for the future? then join us for boot camp. Uh, also coming up for monthly and annual members, we have an extra coaching call uh, on Thursday. So it's as well on Thursday, in addition to the boot camp, uh, it is two separate webinars. It'll be in the evening, 10 p.m. EST, and that is to accommodate our Australian members. That'll be 1 p.m. in Sydney. We have a long list of questions already for that webinar feel free to continue sending me your questions. Anything we don't get to on April 2nd, we will carry over to the next group coaching call, which is already scheduled for April 22nd. Yeah. So to be clear, the previous members group coaching call was more of a prescribed conversation where I shared some strategies for surviving what is going to come. This is going to be a Q&A with a lot of the questions provided in advance. Join us for boot camp and group coaching this week. Cheryl, thank you so much. And uh, please uh, send me more photos of Macy reading uh, my books. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> she she definitely wants to know what it is that we're we're doing while she's off playing in the background all day. <laughs> it's never too early to start thinking about best business practices. So uh, good for Macy. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Marie, thank you so much for doing this, especially given everything that's happening right now. It's a crazy time. <laughs> oh my gosh, it really is. And just so everybody knows, Marie has four children under the age of? 12? Now 12. They're t- the oldest ones are 12. That's shocking. I can't believe that. 
and you have I know. four so it's children. Not that crazy anymore. No, you, okay. I would, I would beg to differ. She says it's not that crazy anymore. I would say, isn't it crazier when you have 12 year old boys running around? Aren't they big and loud? And, and now they're at home for who knows how many months. And they are, they are now both the same height as me. Uh, Both their feet are bigger than mine. And Parker weighed himself the other day and there's only 15 pounds difference between him and I. So they are now at 12, like tap, like, like eye level, which is kind of terrifying. But I said, now they have a new responsibility to now be the caretaker of me. Once they surpass me in weight and height, then they are now having to take care. So they have to like, I have different expectations for them. Oh my gosh. I love it. I've admired you over the years and how you have raised your children and the tone of voice you take with your children and the approach you take with your children and just the measured, um, firm kindness I've seen you exhibit with your children uh, is, has been beautiful to watch. And I imagine, because I know you have at various times been a coach, I imagine you bring that sort of same kind firmness to those conversations. Uh, you, you know, it was interesting because my my journey to becoming a coach started when I was working at an organization in an HR capacity, and they were looking to sort of expand what HR brought to the table. And they had a number of us trained then to become organizational coaches, so that we would work within the business in all sorts of different ways, but with the people that are there and, and helping them to become all they could be. Uh, And I tell you, like going through that whole training process and then working within the organization as a coach, and then I went on later and and did some more certification and then started working with individuals privately, right, in my own practice. Um, And by that point, I had my daughter. So now we're up four kids and a husband and in-laws and brother-in-law and sister. You know, there's lots of complex uh, relationships and interplay. And being trained and certified as a coach made all the difference in the world, right? I mean, I, 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 I use all those tools every day in my life. Anyway, so yes, to answer your question, it really, I think it really makes a difference. And that being said, I, I am a raving lunatic and a banshee, uh, as probably a little bit less than I was. It still comes out. But, um, but sort of my, my ability to recover from those moments where I'm like, ah, that, that is, <laughs> I'm I, still human. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you seem superhuman to me when I see you in action. I don't think I could manage as gracefully for children as you have over the years. It's just been beautiful to watch. And I knew you were the right person to talk to with a dilemma. And that is this, um, Marika and I have a wonderful relationship um, that's grown into friendship over the years. And I, I knew I could trust you with a candid conversation about what's about to happen to the interior design industry. And what's about to happen to the interior design industry is nothing short of a huge disruption. Um, I would go as far to say as about 40% of designers will go out of business. Uh, those who remain in business won't be able to really make a living probably for you know, how many months or a couple of years. We don't know because we really don't know the ramifications of what to head. And there are all these kind of moral issues that come up during this time period where we're trying to manage our feelings around a business that's really in trouble and manage the the 
feelings of our respected and trusted clients. And so I thought you'd be a really good person to just talk to, honestly, about some of the weird moments we're going to find ourselves in right now, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think not to diminish what your industry is going through, but this is this is global, globally, where businesses are are going to have to find ways to stay relevant, to reinvent themselves, to stay valuable to their clients. Um, and so you're seeing, you know, businesses that make alcohol making hand sanitizer and you see you know, I got an email from the company that cleans my upholstery saying they're now doing deliveries, right? So, you know, I'm not suggesting that interior designers go out and fashion face masks from, you know, old curtains, but, um, you know, there's, there's, I think, some real opportunities to still stay relevant in some way, you know, that either if it, if it helps you maintain your current customer base interests, right? Like they see that you're out there and you're doing this or, or if it just, you know, has you doing something each day that feels like it's giving you some sense of purpose as opposed to just, okay, that's it, it's done. That, that's such good advice because you don't want to feel like a victim and you do want to feel like you can be empowered during this situation. So let me give you an example of a, a real life scenario. So we have a clients that we've enjoyed working with previously, and we just uh, had done about a month ago, a huge presentation and you know what those are like. And, and now I find I'm going to have a conversation with my client tomorrow. In fact, I put it off because I wanted to talk to you first. The dilemma is this, do I recommend they bulldoze ahead Um, I don't know if I feel good about that because I actually don't know what's coming. I think I need to go back and look at every single supplier we've recommend to provide a service and determine whether or not I think they're going to be in business a year from now. Because what if I take a client's money to purchase a particular item and that shop goes out of business? How do you, like, I'm in a really good position because I've had a solid business for many, many years, but I'm thinking about those designers who are barely making it as as it is. The temptation is to just kind of advise their clients to move forward, but is that really the right thing to do? How do you weigh the needs of the client with the needs of the business owner, I guess? Oh, and you've got a couple, you know, big, big topics that you raised in that. So one is, you know, what I'm hearing you say, but not saying is sort of what, what is your moral responsibility? What's your moral obligation to your clients, right? So in terms of advising them on something, so that's one thing. I think secondly, you talk about um, even the supplier's ability to fulfill on an order in six months or a year, right? Because we know these things take time. Um, And then I think that there's also you know, even if we look out at the news that we're, we're, we're hearing, I mean, it's really mixed. We don't really know. Is this sort of three months? Is this four, two weeks? Is this three months? Is this six months? And then if this so, social isolation continues, how do we, how do you then actually meet with clients, meet with suppliers? How do you do all of that stuff? So then, you know, there's a couple different things. I think there's the client's financial obligations. So are they going to be able to uphold their their end of it? Are they going to be able to, are they going to have any income coming in? We don't know what's happening in their business world and their financial world. And if they don't, by the way, um, I I guess to say, if they don't, it's not a personal insult to you. Like they literally may not be in a position to go forward. So 
you know, you do want to be aware that you're not the only person in the equation who has needs. Yeah, it's it's really multi-layered. You know, the first thing, if you go back, if you kind of start at that first point, which is what's my, you know, moral obligation to my clients, just in terms of wanting to advise them in the right way um, and, and not wanting to either have either sort of push them to plow forward or, or alternatively force them to stop something that they're really excited about and that they want to move forward with. And, you know, you've had, you've had the benefit of working with, I think, multiple clients over multiple projects and have probably gotten a good sense of the clients that you work with. But certainly I'd say, you know, the first thing is would be not to make any assumptions in terms of their financial ability or inability moving forward. And I think that the the best way to kind of, and that's always a hard conversation to have. It's a hard conversation for most people to have around what their value is and what they're charging. Um, And so it's uncomfortable on a good day to ask for what you think you're worth. But now to have a conversation with someone around their ability to pay, in some cases, a very substantial bill. Um, it can be can be even more <laughs> fraught. Uh, so I, in terms of not making assumptions, I think the key in that is really starting the conversation off with or and just using uh, open ended questions. Uh, so I think instead of feeling as though you you know you have a moral duty to you know guide them in the right way, I think you you know would maybe be better off letting the client guide it. And you can do this by asking some questions that really kind of get to whatever the answer is for them, right? So, you know, how are you feeling about this project? You know, given that this pandemic is unfolding the way it is, how are you feeling about moving forward with this project? Or where where are you at right now when you think about this project? You know, what's coming to mind for you? What's What's in the way of you moving forward? Or is there anything in the way for you in order for us to move forward? I think wanting to understand where they are, because you know, if the client isn't able to move forward, nothing else matters anyways. So I think having that conversation first and foremost, um, and and my sense, at least even for, for Jim and I, you know, thinking about design projects we have lined up, I think most people seem to know intuitively right now what what is going to be the problem for them, right? So is the problem going to hit now? Is it going to be a year from now? Um, you know, Jim's business is project-based and it goes on about four-year cycles. So he might, there might be a financial impact to him in four years, right? But right now all the projects are, are, are he's making money from things that were signed up four years ago. So I think people have a sense of, okay, we can't do this right now or, you know, no, we're fine. We're fine. So I think feeling them out, open-ended questions. How are you feeling about moving ahead with this project? We just did this great big uh, presentation. You were super excited. That being said, the landscape is changing. How are you feeling? I almost feel like I need to advise my clients to not move forward because I really believe some of the companies we've proposed won't be around. And I also believe that this is terrible to to say if you're listening and you need the money. I'm sorry I'm going to say this, but I do feel like it's my obligation to tell them that some of the things we want to purchase may go on sale in a very big way in the next six months. And they might be wise to just sit tight for six months. Let's see if the, you know, what happens when the dust settles. 
Uh, but of course, that's really easy for me to say. If you if you like are trying to figure out how you're going to buy groceries, you're not going to be able to have that conversation with clients. But the other thing you said about not having assumptions, I think, is really important because one of the things that happened to us in 2008, 2009 is I made an assumption that my wealthier clients would move forward because they said they were okay. But then they didn't move forward, not for years, because they felt uncomfortable with the optics. They didn't want to be putting in a new kitchen when their neighbors had lost a job. And so even people who had the means decided to hold back. So it's really important, like you said, do not make assumptions. I, you know what? I love that. I actually love that optics piece. It's not something I would have thought of. But you know, I think that's really important during this, this outbreak as well. Um, and that you may have clients that opt out just, just for those reasons, you know, um, certainly for us, we think about other family members that won't be okay, um, and are potentially going to lose one, if not both incomes. And so, you know, then where would we be investing our money more than likely in supporting family members? So there are different impacts that, you know, may not be felt directly. I hear what you're saying about the suppliers, and that is a huge part of it. And, you know, I think if you're a, uh, a seasoned designer and you've got some, you know, money tucked away for a rainy day and you could you can do that. Uh, and then I think that's the very first honest conversation you have with clients is, you know, we made a proposal or if you're midway through a design project, um, you know, I'm concerned about our ability to get some of these items as this, this escalates. Uh, and the very real possibility that these things could be on sale. And so there might be, uh, you, maybe we can get them cheaper. So I, I absolutely, I think if you have, if you have that sense, uh, then you should share that with your clients. Um, and I think, and, and you have some clients that say, okay, regardless, maybe we're going to fly by the seat of our pants a little bit here. And it may not turn out exactly how we had planned it because we're going to lose a fixture here or curtains here or a supplier here. Um, but I'm okay with that. And that because, you know, it's such an emotional decision to have someone come in and do this for you in your home. It's so personal and it's so emotional. And so, you know, speaking from my own um, perspective, for me, you know, it's like, oh, let's just get this done. Like, I'm so excited. And let's, let's just, yes, yes, yes. This is great. You're a really fast so you decision maker. It's great. <laughs> Actually, my favorite clients are traditionally for, from the beginning of my business are fast decision makers. And that doesn't mean they always say yes to everything I propose. Sometimes they say, no, I hate that. And that's okay too. Like, cause then you can it's adjust. Just like, and I'm just curious then so far, what what conversations are you having with with other designers or clients? Like what is coming up for most people? So I'm in a I'm in a really great place. I have close relationships with my clients. I've been able to just how are you? And let's put hold, hold on everything for the all the things the reasons we've talked about. Let's let's just put a pin in this and see what happens. And I do have one client, she wants her backyard ready for May. She really wants to move forward. So I said, I just want you to take 48 hours because I truly think you could probably knock 30, 40% off the price tag 
if you just hold tight, but she may not want to, and that'll be her decision. But what I'm hearing from some designers, if if you've not been running your business very long or you don't have good business practices, maybe you don't bill every month. Maybe you've gotten behind in your billing. Maybe you've gotten behind in collections. And I used to run my business that way back in, you know, 2000. I found myself, I had more outstanding bills that I hadn't or outstanding invoices I hadn't been paid for, and I had to borrow money to pay my staff. And so that was a wake-up call for me. Okay, this doesn't work. So imagine a situation where you're like you're running a kind of a struggling firm, and now you have to phone a client now and say, can you pay me? Those are the kind of questions we're getting from designers in the industry saying, how can I collect on my clients now? I feel... I feel horrible, but I need the money. That's really tough. You know, and and I guess it would depend also on how they had been billing up to that point. So if, you know, if they've just been emailing out invoices kind of willy nilly, I mean, they could do that and hope that that the client doesn't read into it (laughs) as as some sort of really insensitive gesture. Um, And if nothing else, have that be their wake up call for I've got to run a tighter ship when this you know, when this ship gets kind of back in the ocean, again, you're back to, you know, making assumptions. Some, some customers will will receive that invoice and just pay it and it's no big deal. And then they'll have clients who will actually say, I can't pay this right now. You know, we've, we've both lost our income. Uh, And I think you have to just cross that bridge when you get there. But I do think you kind of have to take it head on. And I probably, well, I can speak from experience in 2000, 2001, when I found myself in this position, I had a, I had a coach who helped me figure out how he was going to do this, but I had to phone every single client and I had to say, I'm sorry, because I realize now that my business practices are sloppy and that's probably caused some stress for you. You don't know when you're going to get a bill. You don't know when it's going to end. You don't know when I'm ever going to be done. So I had to kind of own it. And then I had to tell them, I, I, I realize now that you owe me for five months fees, um, and that makes me anxious, um, but it's my fault. So can can we figure out how to get this back on track? And everybody was decent about it, with one exception. Everybody was very kind and decent, and we figured it out. And I thought, I am never doing, never doing this again. It's not really fair to the clients to not know what's coming and when it's going to be over and all that kind of stuff too. So I think you just have to you just have to have a really uncomfortable conversation. I love how you did that. I really love how you owned it, right? And and I mean that ultimately is how you're going to you're going to basically earn back your integrity with the client, right? Is that you were you had lost your integrity with them. You'd lost your integrity with yourself and with your business and maybe it was never there to begin with. You didn't even know it. It wasn't was an issue until it was one. And I think that's good advice for the people that listen to your podcast and those designers that they may have to have an uncomfortable conversation with a client if they're behind in their billings and they're anxious to get on top of them now, given that their income stream is going to dry up a little bit. I think that, you know, then, then they're going to have to confront it. Like you said, no hiding from it is, is, is going to help. It's not going to help their income issue. And it's certainly not going to have to help the client because the client, again, if you make the assumption that the client is going to be uncomfortable about paying 
and it's going to be unhappy to receive the, the invoice, um, I think you're doing yourself a real disservice because at no point when I get an invoice for your, um, for your fees, am I ever upset? <laughs> Jim might be, I'm not. Jim would be <laughs> for just, sure. I, I'm upset. Sometimes I look at the invoices and I think, oh my God, how did this happen? And I go back and I read the bill, the log sheet and I'm like, okay, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, but I feel that way, you know, often when I get bills from, we've talked about landscaping fees and gardening fees and what yeah. those feel like. But um, I think also as a client, are, are there any, is there anything you could think of, Marique, that would make you super uncomfortable right now? You know, I feel like I'm a, I'm a bad person to ask those things about being sensitive about because I feel like I, 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 I'm not overly sensitive about really anything. There's very little you can uh, do to offend me um, as a person or as someone who's provided a service or as a friend. Um, I'm always like, okay, like let's roll with this. So, you know, even actually when you asked me about Gary uh, is, you know, about, about that. Right. I, I was, I was like, huh, okay, well that's good to know. And he's always been, I mean, these beautiful shelves in the background are made by him. I mean, he's so good at what he does. And so I thought, oh gosh, like what can we do to support him? Uh, and, and then I talked to Jim about it and I said, there's a couple things maybe we could do. And Jim said, you know, maybe not right now, you know, and, and fair enough. Right. But, um, but for me, I, Again, it's about not making assumptions. I, you know me well enough maybe um, to, to know that about me. And I think if you know a client who has been sensitive in the past about things that you've raised, then, then maybe you're not going to, you're not going to push the envelope with them. They might be the last person you call and ask about payment of the invoice. Uh, but I think, again, not making assumptions. And, you know, a great way to ask people things which may seem almost confrontational, right? No one likes comp- no no one likes confrontation. It's really uncomfortable, and so we avoid it. I think asking for money, especially when it's you owe me something, feels like you're you're saying to someone you owe me something, which can feel really confrontational and un- uncomfortable. And so my trick in a lot of situations is to bring levity to the situation um, and to the way that you ask. I think you can also be mad at your children and use levity. You can be mad at your husband and use levity. Uh, And I think sometimes it makes it easier, especially if you don't like to ask serious things. Um, And so I think, you know, a way around that is having this conversation, right? Is, you know, God, this is really awkward and I, I don't like to ask this and... Um, you can be honest about that. Um, I haven't had to have too many of these conversations, you know, and now this virus has come and, you know, these are strange times. And so I'm going to ask you something that, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with you about something that I've never had to have a conversation with anyone about like this. So this is new, right? Um, I love that. And, that's and a really that's, good approach. It lets them off the hook too, because they're going to feel awkward. It lets them off the hook. Yeah, it lets them off the hook absolutely for even having a really polished, perfect answer. Um, it just is. Let's like I'm just just throwing this out there. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking for projects. Like it's it's kind of a bad time in the economy right now. Uh, do you need anything done? And 
you know, I'm sure you have a lot of young designers and followers and they're so smart with social media and Instagram. And, um, you know, I think there's lots of ways out there that they can remain really creative and relevant um, and build a client base in a different way while they can't actively be out maybe doing the work they really want to be doing. I love that. Thank you so much for being willing to share this advice. It's really helpful. And I should go back and say, um, Marie mentioned Gary. So Gary's a wonderful supplier who makes all of our case goods and cabinetry. And he reached out with concerns about uh, his workload drying up and asked if there's any projects uh, we could move forward with. And one of them is a project down the road for Marie and Jim. So uh, I, I, I felt comfortable enough with Marie to say, listen, he's he's looking, is there anything? And, um, you know, it's, it's just a time where relationships are all that matters. And so those suppliers and trades who have been so good to us over the years and have delivered on the promise of our brand over and over and over again, I'll do anything to keep those people working, you know? So it's... There's going to be some good things that come out of this. It's going to be uncomfortable in the in the short term. But I think uh, one thing is we're all going to have more of an appreciation for our home. And are we living in a home that feels comfortable and we have everything we need? And, you know, what this self-isolation period has been like may impact the choices people make in their homes in future for sure. You know, I think you've touched on so many really good salient points there. And I, I think the key, you know, if, if, if people are going to take anything away today, I think, you know, don't make assumptions about what people would be willing to do at this point um, in this pandemic. Uh, so don't make assumptions there. Don't make assumptions that all conversations about money are going to be awkward and awful. Um, that, that, that there are a lot of people that don't have financial hangups or that are very open about their financial abilities or inabilities and will happily engage in that conversation with you. And there will be people that don't uh, or, or it's more uncomfortable, but bring some levity, apologize, be self-deprecating. <laughs> These things actually usually help to kind of soften the tone uh, and make it feel a little less serious and uncomfortable for everybody. And I think too, that if you're looking really, you know, if you, you, know, you, you mentioned 40% of designers potentially may not, um, have anything left after all this is over. And so I think there's a real opportunity for the designers that are out there who, who have relationships with suppliers and, and, and um, you know, guys that build wonderful bookshelves like this, uh, trades people, builders. Um, if you can, I think, kind of maintain those networks as much as you can, and even look at, you know, I'm not a designer, but even looking at kind of making jobs smaller, right, more scalable so that you're not doing an entire basement in one go, but maybe you're just going to do the bedroom and we can do that in, in, in six months and we can actually get a handle on those supplies and we can work just with our suppliers, a smaller group, if we can funnel all of our projects into the smaller group, maybe we can help keep them afloat. Um, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, there, there's a way to kind of come together and really bolster and keep those good suppliers and business still. And I think it's actually Kimberly reaching out to clients uh, and saying, you know, Hey, we've got a couple of these kinds of suppliers and, you know, do you have anything that we can work on that's, that could, could keep them working? I mean, yeah. I think that's, I think that just shows the, that side of humanity that we really want to see in these kinds of times yeah, People working together. I love it. I know. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much 
really, that was just so generous of you. I was sort of reluctant to ask because I'm like, this is this might be really uncomfortable for someone to answer these questions, but I know you have a very high emotional intelligence. So I thought, no, if anybody could handle it, it's Marie. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime I can help. I mean, I hope it was helpful if, you know, even a little bit. Absolutely. But nothing else I enjoy talking. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. All right. Well, good luck tomorrow when online school begins for your children. Like I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Oh, me too. I'll let you know. <laughs> I know. I'd be praying to please take them back. Please take them back. Get them out of the house. I honestly, it's heart, it's heart, heartbreaking. <laughs> All right. Love to Jim. You guys be well. Okay. Thanks. Say hi to Bob. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. For okay. Now. Bye. Thank you for being a part of the business of design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today. Start today.